Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Good morning, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's the Players Club. All three players in the house. I'm having some issues with my headphones right now, guys. They're all tangled up. Yeah, you are. I feel like I'm, you know, tethered to this thing a little close here, so. We gotta get you some headphones from the 2000s. Yeah. Your 1980s headphones are, uh. These are not 1980s phones. These are air traffic control headphones. <laughs> Literally. I'm headed to Denver International. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Centennial's closer. You Terminal can, C. Maybe they need some help over there. Bro, doesn't it suck when you're uh, flying southwest and, and then you're the very, very last one in Terminal C? That thing is really, really far. <laughs> yeah, that has been a constant bugaboo for like the last three months or so. It's like, okay, why is the flight to Grand Junction like the first one once you get upstairs from the train? But the fact that I'm going... I don't know, to, to Toronto or, you know, uh, Pittsburgh and these other places I've gone recently. That's C69. It's going to take me 17 minutes to get there. 17? No. You have it charted? It's about nine minutes, actually. But it feels like, like you know, if you do get off of that, like the, on, on that gate and have to walk all the way and then go down the thing, you know, it's like a mile walk if you got to get to your car as well. You get the steps in, no doubt. There are people who can't make that walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, so DIA is a tough airport to to sled for people. I mean, they come out here, man, and they 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 don't. Is it the worst airport? Like as far as the 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 length you have to hoof on your own, um, the planes, trains, and automobiles thing you have to do to get to your gate. Is it the is it the hardest airport you've been to all of them? Uh, Salt Lake City has an incredibly long walk, um, but it's not planes and trains and all that stuff to get out. You got to do the walk, but then after that, you're kind of in the main terminal, so you have to catch an, an additional train and get there. Seattle's got multiple trains, which can be confusing. Uh, gosh, a lot of these small airports are just, they may be old, but they're so small and they're easy to navigate. New York, too, right? Which one, LaGuardia or JFK? I think it's JFK. Like, if you if you have a connection through, like, JFK or a connection through LaGuardia, like, be prepared. Oh. That connection's probably going to be in a different terminal. Yeah. And you got to hike. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. The, 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 the additions they've done to LaGuardia, the new... Terminal and all that, that's really nice. They still got some more to do out there, but the upgraded part is certainly a lot more user-friendly. Which one is the most dis- 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 disgusting? Disgusting. Like, run down. Uh, LaGuardia, LaGuardia used to be. Right? Yeah. I, yeah, I think they filmed Mad Max at LaGuardia. Okay. I'm just kidding. It's, it was bad. <laughs> it's bad. But it's also um, good for your immune system traveling that much, right? You keep bringing this up. That putting, somehow, your, putting your computer in that rolly in that in the bin with all the pubic hairs in it and stuff, and everyone's shoes. Yeah, yeah and then that pubic hair comes with you to Toronto. I, I don't know. You're if like, you, whose hair is this? Yeah, if you go in the men's room in the airport, uh, there's uh, there's urine all over the floor. How does it happen? It happens in a lot of just not not just airports. Yeah, I think one of the good things that came out of COVID is just now whenever you get on a flight, they have those disinfectant wipes. Mm. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I am big on that. No matter what flight I'm getting on. I get on that plane and, hey, could I get a couple of those wipes? And What do you wipe you down? Know, the- I, I don't wipe down kind of the back of the seat where I'm going to sit, but I, I do wipe down the little pocket thing because I will put my iPad in there. And I will wipe down my iPad as well because I had to take it out of the bag and put it in one of those bins. My wife always, when we get on the flight with my son, 
she tries to wipe down the whole area that he's going to be hanging out in. And, like, she's like, don't touch that. Don't touch that until I wipe it. I'm like, it's, honey, it's too late. We are on this airplane. He's, yeah. These germs are coming into his mouth. There's no way that, that he's not going to be touching everything here. And there's no way to disinfect it. Um, but, um, okay, so what's the easiest airport? The easiest big airport. Easiest I'll, I'll give one. San Jose, because that was where I'm from. I don't know if you've flown into San Jose. It is awesome. awesome. Yeah. San Diego. Awesome. San Diego is easy, too. Easy too. San Diego's pretty easy, but San Jose is just yeah. perfect. You can get there 45 minutes before your flight. Yeah, no when I did the internship with the Niners, I didn't go up to SFO. I always went in and out of San Jose. It was easy. Southwest flights direct here to Denver. Uh, we get three days off. Boom, I was on a plane coming back. It was super, super easy. San Francisco's not easy, though. No, yeah, it's got some complications. It's, well, they, any, any LAX, horrible. Yeah. Any of the ones where they have the long loop that you have to go in and go all the way around this thing and it hits every single... Oh, just to get your just to get out of the car. Just yeah, to like Uber. if you... Yeah. Like LAX is, bus. is awful because like you could be, you know, if you're United or whatever, that's six and you got to go all the way around this whole thing and it's at a crawl and anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, so guys, uh, a big article dropped today, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and everybody's talking about it. Um, Sean Payton goes scorched earth on everyone involved in last season's debacle here. We're going to get into this article and the nuts and bolts of it. But right off the bat, I mean, Chad, what are your thoughts about the timing of this? Um, The approach to kind of putting this all out there at a time like this, right before training camp starts? Do you think there's a method to the madness here? Or has Sean just got to get some things off his chest? I think it's less method to the madness and far more Sean Payton just getting some things off his chest. Um, in some ways, is he defending Russell Wilson? He's, he, he certainly is. But in other ways, is he throwing, you know, the, the parts of the organization that are responsible for, for his job? Uh, the Pinners, Damani Leach, uh, the George Payton, all those guys under the bus. It's, yeah, as well as Nathaniel Hack and his entire coaching staff. So it's not the best look. Uh, we know Sean Payton uh, can be biting when he wants to, can be very... Uh, uh, clear with his words. In this case, here's another example of that. I, I can't think of another coach in the NFL who would feel comfortable with this. There's, all, there's certainly coaches who will be upset with officiating and may have some pushback with Roger Goodell in the NFL, but I can't think of another coach who would throw their current administration under the bus as well as the entire coaching staff from last season in this way. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I was reading through the article this morning and smiling the whole entire time. And as I flipped the page or, or scrolled down, it, my smile got bigger and bigger. Because, one, I truly believe that 31 coaches in the National Football League at some point within the next 72 hours are going to see this article. This article is going to get dropped on their desk. Now, whether they read it or not, that's on them. But also, I think Sean, it's Sean Payton betting on himself. It's him saying, I don't care what you guys think about me. I don't care even what this community thinks of me. I think I'm a heck of a football coach. I look at this football team, and there's a lot of talent, and last year was unacceptable. And I am going to bet on myself because I'm essentially calling out everybody, just like Chad said, they could fire him, but now all eyes are on Sean Payton. You better go out there and win. So I love it. It's about time we got a coach that – has a little bit of hair on his chest and and really thinks that, hey, through my coaching, this team is going to get better. And you cannot just approach this as one side of the ball. You know, you cannot be just a leader of men like VJ was or, you know, a great defensive mind like Vic Fangio was or, hey, the next up-and-coming guy like Nathaniel Hackett was 
when you're talking about they're talking this spicy in an article. You, you better go out there and win, and you better go out there and you know show a good effort on all three phases of the ball, or your job might be in jeopardy next year. So I love it. Quote, everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. End quote, Peyton said. Um, he, he went on to say that, well, where is that part about? Oh, yeah. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. Do you think Nathan, what's Nathaniel Hackett going to think of this article? I don't think there's much. Do you to, think he's going to come out here and, and, and challenge Sean Payton to a fight? Well, no, a dance-off. They, he's the reason, man. Isn't it? They got a fight coming on October 8th. Woo! Sunday, October 8th, the Jets will come here bulletin to Empower Food. board yes. material. So there's bulletin board material. That Now there's, to uh, steal a phrase from you, there's extra motivation involved in this for Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm with O. While I loved the truth-telling, my point about another coach, or I'm trying to imagine another coach doing this, I simply can't. Because there's a bit of an unspoken, you know, thing about that. We, I'll t- I'm going to talk about my program and what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to talk about what someone else does. I wasn't here. I wasn't in the building. Blah 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 blah. So for for Coach Payton to throw Coach Hackett and all those guys under the bus, um, while I admire the truth telling, why I like it, why why I would agree with it. Again, it's a it's. It, this will not be met with zero ramifications. There's something, there's another shoe to drop based on this for Sean Payton. Look at the history of the Denver Broncos, the winning organization, how many Super Bowls they brought here. You would think that by far was a more attractive job than the Houston Texans. Well, the Miko Ryans passed up this job to go back to the Houston Texans. I get it, he was a player, but when you look at the roster, you should be able to win with this roster. Houston, you were trying to figure out a lot of moving pieces over there, right? So I love the fact that Sean Payton speaks his mind and tells you exactly what it was. This was the worst job in national football. Like coaches didn't want to touch this. The Walton Penner group were flying to Ann Arbor, begging Jim, begging Coach Harbaugh, please, please. And I do believe that Coach Harbaugh knew exactly what was going to happen with Michigan, with the the fines and all the different things that were coming down later on. And he still didn't jump, still didn't want to come to the NFL because Nathaniel Hackett made this job undesirable. You gave a quarterback all this power, and you hear about the different things that were going on in this building. And if you're a coach, you're wondering how you could now go to this player and strip all this down where he has the accolades on the wall. And you might not want to even get in that battle with the personality, with with the ego of this player. NFL locker room, I've always said it, it's the hardest locker room to, to go in if you haven't played that game because everybody has an ego. Everybody has an alter ego in an NFL locker room. And almost certainly 100%, everybody was a prima donna at some point because they were the man at some point. So Sean Payton is just saying a lot of things that we've been saying for months here. And to me, it doesn't matter what the other coaches think. It doesn't matter what the personnel thinks. It doesn't matter what the front office thinks about these comments. It's, a ma- it's about these players on his team, and I think he did it for them. I think these comments are geared and directed towards his player's psyche, and I'll tell you how next. One, two, three, four. Wait a minute. 
Take your arm. God, you are, uh... And use your farm. You're feeling crazy today, man. Look at you. It's one of my favorite songs, man. Is this? Chad Brown. James Brown and Bobby Bird at their finest. Shoot your Get it together. Well, Sean Payton's at his finest right now. <laughs> He's letting it fly. He is, and, um... He hasn't shared a lot up to this point, and you know I know that some local media members might have some things to say about that. The fact that once again he's speaking to a national dude here mm-hmm. and giving these comments to somebody in the national media and not somebody around here, uh, we might have to get used to that. But um, it's better than nothing. And so Jarrett Bell, USA Today reporter, got some really good comments from Sean Payton um, and an article that came out today, and it starts off. Can I say this to you? Peyton said, shuffling stuff on his desk. Of course you can. Let it rip. I'm going to be pissed off if this is not a playoff team. Right off the bat, those are the expectations. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then he goes on to talk, kind of talk about the things that went wrong last year. And like we talked about last segment, um, he called it the possibly the worst coaching job in the history of the sport. And you guys love it. I love it, too. I think it's for his players. I don't think it's about calling Nathaniel Hackett an idiot or talking about how bad it was or that Greg Penner messed up. I think it's because these players, for another season, felt what it's like to lose. And these winners you talked about, these alphas, right? These guys who've who've always been the man have had to swallow losing and failing and preparing in, a, in, in, in the wrong way and coming out and laying an egg on the field. And they lost some confidence. Absolutely. And to me, Sean Payton is coming in here to reinstill confidence in his players and say, it's not your guys' fault. I believe that you guys can get this done. It's the guys who just left. They screwed this up. They put you in the wrong position. And now I'm going to set you straight. Don't worry. Daddy's got you. Yeah. Um, I I, I like that, Nate. And, um, you know, earlier I said that it's Sean Payton drawing a line in the dirt, basically saying, I believe in myself. But you also have to believe in your players in order to believe in yourself. Like, I don't care what Frank Wright thinks about it. He, he just got to Carolina. That team is decimated. Like, hey, they t- trade away DJ Moore. Christian McCaffrey's out. Yeah, you, you, you go get your quarterback in the first overall pick. Great. But if you're sitting here saying that that's a playoff team in year one, yeah, you're probably talking out of both sides of, of, of your mouth in, a, in that statement. Here with Sean Payton, you you – it t- for him to sit here and and that's the first comment that I'm going to be pissed off if this is not a playoff team. You got to believe in your players in this league, and I don't think that the Broncos had bad players. Look what Coach Evro did with the defensive side of the ball. Look how deep we were talking about this uh, wide receiver room. Now this team was decimated with injuries because you know Sean Payton talks about in this article trying to win the off season. But what I loved about this is that he does talk about Russell Wilson. Man, we ran that kid through the car wash a hundred times now, right? So I think that he's also trying to instill some confidence as well in his players because when you are a coach and you say these things, a lot of coaches will be worried about their jobs. That's why they would stay away from something like this. Sean Payton is saying these things at the start of training camp like, hey, I don't care what comes next. I'll deal with this, but I'm going to go to war for this football team. And I absolutely love that aspect of it as well. You bring up Russell Wilson, and when when Sean Payton was asked what happened last year with Wilson, he said, oh, man, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the freaking training rooms, the freaking meeting rooms, freaking offense. 
I don't freaking know Hackett. He didn't say all those frickings. What? But he did say one fricking. <laughs> Tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. Chad. Yes. Is he just pumping up his quarterback, or is, is this the truth about Russell? Uh, Russell certainly had some blame. So if, if, if there's 20 hands involved, Russell's hands were involved in that as well. Uh, because Russell Wilson came in and thought that I know better than Pete Carroll. He also thought I know better than Nathaniel Hackett. And I'm going to come in and insist upon these things. I'm going to do these. I want this offense to reflect my input. Now he's got a coach that he is forced to respect in Sean Payton. And it's going to be Sean Payton's way. So now Russell Wilson backs down and says, okay, fine, no more office. Fine, my quarterback coach won't be in the building. Fine, my training staff won't be in the training room. Uh, All these things that were just so far past anything we had ever heard before last year. So I, I, I'm i digging what Sean Payton is doing here. Um, but it, it, you're, while, while you're trying to fluff up your quarterback and make him feel good, your quarterback was certainly involved in a lot of those decisions that happened last year. Your quarterback was the one who had the Tuesday State of the Union meetings. So Russ is not, he's not immune to this. While Sean Payton is trying to deflect some of the negativity from Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson was certainly involved in a lot of this. But at the same time, absolutely. But I think Sean Payton is saying that if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, week one, when I see that State of the Union, you guys are talking about plays that you guys would like to run and, and scheme versus this defense. It's like, get the heck out of the building. Like, yeah. the coaches haven't even done this yet. Yeah. Get the I, frick out of here. Yeah, I don't want you information overloading these young guys and talking to these players about plays that we haven't even decided on yet, if that's going to be in the playbook. And that's what Nathaniel Hackett should have did week one. As soon as he found out about it, don't we all think that? Like, so, <laughs> and I just wonder why he didn't. Yeah, like, like who's advising? Because he you? trusted. I think well, George Payton had to be involved in this. No, process, but right? I think Nathaniel Hackett just looked at Aaron Rodgers and was like, "Hey, Aaron Rodgers usually has a great beat of of what we're going to run and different things like that." And and hey, maybe that coaching staff would take Aaron Rodgers' his suggestion. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers has proven it with that football team time and time again. Russell Wilson was coming in with a completely new football team. He didn't even understand like the catch radius of, of Cortland Sutton at this point. The catch radius of Tim Patrick or the, all these different guys, right? You're relying on a young rookie wide receiver, uh, rookie tight end. He, he'd never played but behind this offensive line before. He didn't understand this football team. Now, like, I'm telling you, in, in, with Adam Gates, right? Adam Gates became the offensive coordinator in 2013. Peyton Manning came in and started installing this value menu playbook. I think that was all Peyton, 100%. But Peyton had been here a year before. He understood the temperature of this football team. He understood each and every individual. Yeah, he didn't understand the rookies, but the rookies weren't a big part of the football team moving forward at that point. So you could defer to a quarterback when he understands each and every individual in that locker room, not when he's coming in week one and or day one and, and saying, hey, let's do these things. And that's where Nathaniel Hackett messed up. 
Well, Sean Payton said what we've all been thinking about what we saw last year, but he said it um, in a very direct way, and he didn't freaking mince his words. Have yeah. we not been saying it in a direct way? No, we have. We have been. We haven't oh. been. We, 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 we don't have a national platform. We have a local yeah. platform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have dinner with Colin Cowherd. Yeah. Yes, sir. We, did not, that. we don't. And we don't get paid quite as much money to do what we do as he does. Just give us what, just donate one salary. We'll split it up amongst us three and we'll be fine. I'll be okay with that. <laughs> Starting tomorrow, guys, our analysis of training camp 2023 will be presented by Zing Small Business Marketing Services. What does Andrew Mason think about this article? And uh, the kerfuffle that's ensuing quite rapidly. We'll ask him. He's freaking next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. We are efforting getting our boy Andrew Mason, training camp extraordinaire, uh, Broncos Encyclopedia, and uh, purveyor of fine Tommy Bahama shirts and bucket hats. We're all looking forward to seeing what kind of gear. Does he have his own brand? Is there yeah. a Mace brand? Yeah, yeah, the Andrew Mason brand. Because yeah, purveyor, you know, implies there's a sales aspect to it. Whatever, man. <laughs> Captain Literal over here. No, I'm just you know. Because if he's selling, I want some of those Mace shirts. I've seen some ones I think I can sport. Really? Yes. You remember when we had Mace Fit, whatever, Friday. Yeah, I brought my own shirt. Yes. yes. Oh, so that was a shirt that was in the closet already. And, oh, was and it? it was Richie in the rotation. Richie that one for you. Because no, the hat. Oh, you brought your own hat? No, the, the, Richie bought the hat. No, he brought shirts. I had the shirt. No. Yes. Richie brought yeah. b- bought like three shirts. We were like, here, I'll take this one. You take that one. I have. Oh, boy. I, no. wore, I wore my shirt that one day. Uh-huh. I haven't worn it, worn it again. Same. Still in the closet. Same. <laughs> Until Andrew Mason throws a party and has everybody come to his party. Maybe we can have a birthday party for Andrew. We can all dress up like him. That'd be fun. All right. So as we work to get Andrew Mason on the line, um, we are going over this article by Jarrett Bell in USA Today. Um, you know, the first, I guess, part of that interview perhaps was was talked about yesterday, and it was it was the gambling implications. And uh, Yoma Wazirike, a young defensive lineman for the Denver Broncos, suspended for the entire season, cannot even report back to the facility until July 24th of 2024. So that young man is cast adrift uh, because of some mistakes he made, mistakes, no doubt. But now he's going to face perhaps a pretty harsh, uh, harsh punishment, maybe too harsh. Sean Payton thinks it's too harsh, and Sean Payton knows from experience that the league can be heavy-handed when they're doling out punishment. This dude had to sit out the entire uh, 2012 season um, because he was punished for Bounty Gate and a variety of other misdeeds or uh, whatever Roger Goodell and company wanted to call it, but he clearly does not have a great relationship with Roger Goodell, and he has no problem telling it like it is. This latest piece from Jared Bell, probably part of the same interview, uh, is talking about his expectations for this team. First of all, it's playoffs. The article starts off by saying, can I say this to you? I'm going to be pissed off if this is not a playoff team. Is that a realistic view of this football team, Orlando? Well, actually, don't answer that yet. We got Andrew Mason, so keep that in your holster. 
buddy. We got uh, Andrew Mason right now joining us live. Senior Broncos writer, DenverSports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Andrew, first off, just your general reaction to the article that everyone's talking about by Jarrett Bell in USA Today about Sean Payton. I mean, where do you want to begin? I mean, there's there's so much to, pe- to unpack in there. Um, I, I think actually a couple of things kind of looking forward are really interesting. Number one, um, put, putting down the expectations for the playoffs, saying that he's you know, going to be kicked off if, if they're not a playoff team, kind of sending that message that that's the standard he wants them to to reach this year. I think that's, uh, it might be difficult to make it there, but I think it's, it's good to kind of set that expectation immediately. And then the other aspect, I think, is, uh, you know, basically absolving Russell Wilson of a lot of uh, culpability for what happened and saying, you know, it was on, on a lot of people. It was organization. It wasn't just coaching. It was organizational. I think, uh, there's, there can be two things for that. Number one, it could kind of reflect honestly where he stands. But number two, it could also be about kind of boosting uh, Russell Wilson and saying, hey, look, everything that happened, it was this, it, it, you know, it was the outlier in your career. There were a lot of, there were a lot of other things that went wrong. And this year we're going to make it right. And, and him saying, it, you know, basically didn't, uh, didn't become a bad quarterback overnight. I think uh, that that's, pretty relevant from how he sees Russell Wilson and what he's from. Mace, uh, sounds like you're in a, in a submarine, but uh, we'll, we'll power through this. Uh, now, as much as Sean Payton is attempting to uh, deflect a lot of the criticism coming Russell Wilson's way, uh, Russell Wilson was the one who wanted his quarterback coach in the building. Russell Wilson was the one of his trainers in trainers in the training room. Russell Wilson was the one who wanted his own office. So while Nathaniel Hackett could have an obligation to uh, curtail some of those things, these were Russell Wilson's plans. Russell Wilson worked his way out of Seattle because he thought he knew better than Pete Carroll. He thought he knew better than Nathaniel Hackett in some ways and wanted to have his own designs on the offense and wanted to have a Tuesday meeting with the offensive skill positions to go over what he thought the game plan would be. So I understand what Sean Payton is trying to do, but that's ignoring Russell Wilson's input into the disaster that was last year. Um, uh, the thing I would say to that is they didn't have to say yes to any of it. Cause like he, he, I mean, what Payton said is, hey, you know, it's on the parents. That's something that, you have to, that you have to set guardrails, right? You have to get set rules. And when you had one player who you know, whose team could be around the building, and I think that was something we talked about during the season. Not not so much the office, but just the unfettered access of, of Team Russ. You basically kind of set him apart by allowing that, right? You don't have a you don't have a collection of uh, of, of people connected to uh, other players who are around the building. That Mace, I just want to kind of read. One of the one of the um, first couple paragraphs in this article, as a vet, as Broncos veteran rep- reported to training camp and ramped up the first full scale practices on Friday, Peyton was clearly in the mood to talk standards and message, while aiming to prove that he can win big again in a different time and place. This is the paragraph I want you to listen to, Mace, because this is a direct Sean Peyton quote. Hey, we are going to going to be on time, he said. 
We're going to learn how rewarding it is to play for each other, compete for each other, rather than for ourselves. And I expect us to think playoffs. Could you just unpack that specific paragraph for us, Mace? Because I think it's a direct shot at Nathaniel Hackett talking about we're going to be on time. Yeah, I, I, it, it absolutely is. I mean, how many times last year on just the thing that we were exposed to in the media, uh, the timing of press conferences, right? And I, I, I kept, I, I got to a point where I expected everything to be 15 to 20 minutes late. I said in, you know, I, I referenced Green Bay back in the Vince Lombardi days. They say the clocks always ran on Lombardi time, which was 15 minutes fast. And everything with Hackett, Hackett time was 15 minutes slow. And, um, you know, it's one of those little things that actually does reveal a, 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 a high degree of dysfunction, not being able to kind of stay uh, on a schedule. And, and, and then also kind of deeper things. You're saying that, you know, that the team wasn't playing for each other. Well, then that shows that there were, cohesion issues that the coaches kind of failed to, to to bring things together. I think also hearing that in light of something that uh, Melvin Gordon said uh, when he was on with Kay Adams earlier this week, and he didn't want to directly bash Nathaniel Hackett, but he ba- but he said that like the, the, that the staff certainly uh, the coaching staff didn't appear to be on the same page, didn't appear to be uh, together on things as well. So I think ultimately the composition of the staff comes back to Nathaniel Hackett, but I think uh, what it, it what these things reveal is just how deep the dysfunction ran last year, and yet you know, in, in spite of that, the team you know they were five and twelve, but they had a lot of close losses, and it's not hard to to see a, a universe this year in which those close losses become wins with a with with better management and greater attention to detail. Yeah, it's nice to hear the head coach saying what we all were thinking or saying over the last year and, and kind of agreeing with what the issues were. So Chad, in Chad's question to you about, you know, the, the, the training room, um, help that he had, the office, the extra stuff, you said, Hey man, they let him do it and that's their fault for doing that. So there's an idea that like the right quarterback should be given more power, should have autonomy in the building, should be able to be involved in game planning. You know, there's the quarterback of the NFL. These guys make a quarter of the uh, salary cap almost, and Tom Brady did have more power. These guys, Aaron Rodgers, they do have more power in creating game plans and things like that. Are you saying that Russell Wilson cannot be that type of quarterback, and that's what we learned last year, or is there still hope that Russell can be a collaborator? Uh, I think there's still hope, but in terms of getting that sort of latitude, he's going to have to earn it back. And there's only and there's only one way to do that kind of it's to play well and also and also be the the kind of team be the kind of teammate that uh, you expect from the quarterback position and, and elevate and, and elevate everybody. Now I think a lot of the critique like the critiques of Russell Wilson last year got very personal and I thought went to uh, an unseemly level, but there were I but there were valid critiques of uh, what was going on in terms of not only the on-field play, but also uh, just having so many of his people kind of given uh, given the, the free reign. I mean, we're not just talking about the QB coach. I mean, we're talking about his social media team being around, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's not, you know, it's not just J 
Jake Heaps. It's all all of that team getting that kind of access. And what it and, and what it did was it created a barrier between uh, the quarterback and the rest of the team. You can have that, but you got to earn it. You got to be worthy of it. Good stuff, Andrew. Appreciate you joining us in the middle of your submarine voyage. I hope it goes well. Thanks, well, Mace. Do I sound any better now? No, I you are better. better. I, you are better now, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, so for whatever reason, on my hands free in the car, it, it, <laughs> it, it sounds like that. But uh, anyway. So. Well, stay safe on the open so seas, my friend. Yeah, thank you. All right, Andrew. We'll thank see you, you soon, buddy. Way. Thank you. There he yeah. goes. Andrew Mason, senior Broncos writer, denversports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. All right, more to react to when it comes to this Jarrett Bell article and some interesting text we're getting on the RamosLaw.com text line. What do you guys think about Sean Payton's words? Are you happy that he's a straight shooter, or did he did he put some undue pressure on this team? Let us know, 303-713-1043. It's the Players Club on the fan. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Like the legend of the Phoenix. All ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning? Force from the beginning. Force from the beginning is what keeps the planet spinning, guys. We've come too far to give up. Who we are, right, guys? Yeah. Welcome back to the Players Club. We are getting into this Jared Bell article. Jared Bell is a sports writer for USA Today and got the privilege was sitting down with Sean Payton and talking about a lot of stuff. Sean Payton at the beginning of this interview unsolicited said, can I say this to you? I'm going to be I'm going to be pissed off if this is not a playoff team. Boom. Right off the bat. These are the expectations. Now, why does he have those expectations? Well, because he won a lot as a head coach in New Orleans. Not only that, he's used to taking over for a bad team. That's what he did when he started there. His first year, 2006, took over for a 3-13 and team under Jim Hazlitt, turned it into a 10-6 and team the next season. Um, and so he, he's familiar with this position that he's in. And so some of this has to be the psychology of that kind of turnaround, trying to get a group of players who just got used to losing used to winning. And how do you do that? Well, maybe you tell them that their coach sucked. And, and that seems to be um, what he's trying to do in a roundabout way, not even roundabout. But... When he was asked about Wilson, Russell Wilson in particular, and Russell Wilson has been the subject of a lot of our speculation. Can he figure out how to play football again? The old Russell, or is this the new Russell? Peyton said, oh man, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know, Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot. They couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. Um, Jared Bell went on to say, Wilson, a 12th-year pro, has employed a support staff for years that includes a personal athletic trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, and massage therapist. Yet boundaries were apparently blurred by the presence of Wilson's personal quarterback coach, Jake Heaps. Not anymore. When Peyton was hired in February, he made it clear that Heaps would not have access to the team's facility. That wasn't his fault, Peyton said of Wilson. That was the parents who allowed it. That's not an incrimination on him, but an incrimination on the head coach, the GM, the president, and everybody else who watched it happen. Uh, how do you think uh, everybody else who watched it happen feel about that? Not just Hackett, because he's gone. 
but everybody else who watched it happen who's still around here. Mm. Feel about these comments or feel about how it went down no, last year? The, the comments from Sean Payton, the new guy in charge, that, hey, you let, you let this guy do this. I think it's a little unfair, personally, because what were you, the Walton Penner group, they were learning football. Yeah, they were still trying to figure out the rules of this thing. They were trying to figure out why the fans are booing uh, week two against the Houston Texans. They were trying to figure this thing out on the fly. Um, Damani Leach um, dealing with a bunch of different things, right? And upgrade the, the stadium. Are we going to get a new stadium? Are we getting new uniforms? Are we getting new helmets? Uh, I think when you look at George Payton, definitely a lot of this is on George Payton. This was your head coach hire, but at the same time. I, I do believe that stuck in between a rock and a hard place where this was the guy that you thought could lead the Broncos and now there's a new ownership and, and you're trying to look good to this ownership and all these different things are happening. So I, I think that certain people feel differently about this comment, but I don't think the ownership necessarily really should be pointed, the finger should be pointing at them because I, I truly believe they were trying to learn this thing on the fly last year. The buck stops at the ownership, but to your point, you know, with such little experience, how could you expect them to navigate some tricky waters? For George Payton, you know, the Broncos have been quarterback starved for so long. So you're negotiating with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to make this trade happen. Are you going to start in the middle of the negotiation saying, nope, I'm not doing that. Nope, I'm not doing that. This is a right. Pro Bowl, all-pro quarterback who's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. So they had to agree to this to get him here. I, I'm sure that was part of the whole deal. You can have whatever you want, Russ. Yes. Really? Because he had a no-trade clause. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, and for Nathaniel Hackett, who just comes from Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, who certain had a certain set of demands and was a de- very demanding player and wanted to be able to go up to the front office and not just have conversations, but demand what personnel was on the team. I love this conversation. What about the fact, though, with George Payton and being on Minnesota? That team that was starving for a quarterback. Remember, Kirk Cousins was the first quarterback to get a three-year deal fully guaranteed. Right. Right. So he's seen it. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, did Kurt do that? Did Kurt run the show? Did he have the 10 people in the building and his own support staff as well? Judging from the quarterback series on Netflix, Kirk Cousins is a much lower maintenance human being than Russell Wilson appears to be. That's why George Payton should have stepped in, right? That's what that's what we're saying. But, but, like. but we ta- George Payton was tasked with getting us a quarterback. We've been so quarterback starved. You got to get us a quarterback. That's the only issue that's holding us back here. We got a great defense. The rest of the team is good. We got young talent at the skill positions. You've got to get us a quarterback, man. So George Payton goes out and does what he needs to do to get the quarterback. But that quarterback doesn't he have to be smarter than that, though. George Payton? Yeah, than to promise that quarterback the world just to get him here. Uh, to sell the soul of the rest of the team to get the quarterback here that everybody wants. I, 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 you know, so often there are unintended side effects of things. I did what I could to get the quarterback. I thought this quarterback and his demands would be within the realm of what I was familiar with around the league. I know certain players have... A, a place where they can go watch film. I know certain players have quarterback coaches. If you watch the quarterback series on Netflix, Patrick Mahomes has his own trainer. He goes and visits that trainer separately. It's not part of the team facility, but Patrick Mahomes has his own trainer. Tom Brady had Alex Guerrero. So there's a long track record of history of these guys having their own, you know, gurus around them. I had Was a, Alex Guerrero in the locker room there? 
Uh, no, like that, in the training room? that was part of the issue because it, like it sounds like it sounds like what Sean Payton's saying about the freaking training room. Right, means well, those guys were in the freaking training room, which is a which is a huge violation. Yeah, and so you know, for for Bill Belichick, that was a step too far. Alex Guerrero is not going to be in our facility treating players. You guys can go someplace else and do that, but within this facility, it's got to be a certain way. So there is a lack of supervision aspect to this, but there also is a. Hey, we're in a rock and a hard place if I'm George Payton. I got to get a quarterback. And this guy who's on a probably a Hall of Fame track at this point wants these couple of things. Sure, man, if that's going to make you a better player, let's do it. It did not make him a better player. And so now we're all suffering the effects of this. So here's the thing, right? When when I look at last year with Russell Wilson, and I get what you're saying, Chad. You're starving for a quarterback. You got to figure it out. This guy has a no-trade clause, all these different things. But a couple, I'm looking for just a couple tweaks. Hey, you could have your people. They even could get access to this, the facility after 5 p.m. or after all team activities are done. That's when they could come into the facility. We know that you're a grinder. We know that you want to, you know, digest football, eat, sleep, and you wake up early in the morning. But when other people are here, your people are not allowed in the building. When other people have to be here, right? So, and your support staff will be treated like Justin Simmons support staff as far as training camp goes. Like everybody goes in like, like on the side of the fem- friends and family tent. Like that's where your people are going to come in. You're not, your people are not going to come in and, and walk in where the media goes and things like that. So that's one thing as well as for me, the, the whole putting in the plays and all that. Why couldn't Russell Wilson tell these guys, hey, on Wednesdays, it's going to be a little bit longer of a day, fellas. We're going to stay for an hour and a half. Um, and so from 5 p.m. to 6.30, and we're going to watch a little bit of film. I think everybody would have been like, okay, sign me up for that rather than taking away my Tuesday. Okay, but see, so this is where it gets tricky for me because all three of us played in the league. Yeah, All three of us would love a little extra special treatment. But given the Russell Wilson tale of last year, I think all three of us here as players would recognize those. that's a step too far, man. I'm a part of this team. I'm not the team. I'm part of this team. And once I start to do these things and, he's, and given all this special treatment, that separates me. It doesn't make me a, a more, it, 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 it creates a special category for me. So the whether it's the family treatment at the training camp, whether it's parking spots at the stadium, whether it's all these other things that we have talked about ad nauseum, I think we would all recognize, hey man, that's a step too far. So I would tell my social media. Why person, did George Payton recognize that that's a step too far? And could he have recognized? Because I think they you're saying like George the, Payton was kind of backed into a corner and, and wanted to give Russell Wilson kind of what he wanted in, in the situation last year because you were like, hey, pick us, pick us. We want you and we want to make a match made in heaven right here. Well, as Sean Payton said, there was 20 dirty hands. Did Coach Hackett, was his hands dirty and all the special treatment? Clearly they were. Did George Payton perhaps promise too much? Clearly he did. But was Russell Wilson separate from these 20 dirty hands? No, his hands are dirty too because he should have known just purely from your football character that this is a team sport. We're all in this together. And once I start doing all these things, that doesn't make me a better teammate. It separates me from my teammates. It doesn't make our offense better when I got my separate offensive meeting rather than with the coach. Those kind of things were counter to your goal. So Russell Wilson needs some recognition in this as well. That's all I'm saying. I I 100% agree. But now I want you to tell me, I want you to list it out for me. George Payton, Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett. Who gets the most blame than the next most blame and the least blame in last year? Chad. Yes. We'll do that next. Boom.